John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Wow, that sure was, <clears throat> that sure was a boring, predictable game last night on Monday Night Football <clears throat> between the Rams and the Chicago Bears. But yet another test to show that the Rams are pretty good. Uh, defense looking much better than anybody anticipated. So that's uh, good for them. Now it's a matter that, uh, you know, this division right now has four teams with winning records. And the Bears with no offense look really bad. Hey, we've got lots to get into today. So let's start with the five biggest stories of the day. Number one. Uh, Chris has a, has, like we said, he has a midfoot sprain, um, something there that we, we could see. So we just have to go. It's just a week to week. We'll see what happens. We don't know. Um, so uh, he, he was real determined to say, I can go with it. Uh, but we won't know until you know the end of the week for sure. On uh, Homer, Homer's got a, he, he has a bruised knee, um, not, in, not uh, a knee injury. Uh, so that's something he has a chance to recover from. So the injury list uh, added on to, but it hits just like it did last year toward the end of the season, now here in the middle of the season, at the running back position. Because, you know, you got probably Chris Carson uh, missing the game with the midfoot sprain. Then you've got the knee injury for Travis Homer. Carlos Hyde, you know, he's got his issues right now because he had a tight hamstring. So you put all that together, and uh, it could be trouble running the football, particularly in this game coming up against the San Francisco 49ers. Not, not good situation there. So, uh, the pressure is going to be on. You know, what do you do at the running back position? You're waiting for Rashad Penny, and I don't think he's going to be ready for this week, and even if he is, coming off the ACL, it's not going to be that he's going to do a lot. So, that running game right now in big question. C.J. Procise, of course, has been released. He could be in a possible addition, but then you know he needs to get in here pretty fast because you know, you've got that six-day COVID period, and I don't know if he's going to be able to make it and be able to play by the uh, uh, Sunday's game. So those issues right now are out there. Of course, trade deadline is here, which is a week away, Tuesday a week, and I've got a lot of things going on there. Uh, no trade so far this morning. But again, stay tuned as the course of the show and all through the day to find out what's going on on the trade front. But nevertheless, the injury report, uh, you know, at least the big thing now waiting for the running backs to see who's going to be there and also see if Jamal Adams is going to be out there. He's got the groin injury still uh, sounds like it's very touchy as far as getting him to go. So all those different things in play right now, and uh, we'll keep you up to date. Number two. We are in on everything we can know of. If there legitimately has been conversation, you know, from a particular team, you know, we're John knows it, and he's on it. And so that means that we're listening to whatever the options are, and we're trying to figure things out, you know, and see what's best and all of that. There's a lot of... A lot of factors in, in, in all of this, you know, and, and uh, not to mention cap and you know, you know, all kinds of deals, you know. So the point being that we are we inter- interested in guys we interested in before, yeah, we we have a lot of information because we've done a lot of homework and stuff like that. So we are we are focused in on stuff like that. So that, of course, is the uh, trade deadline talk right now. And I know one guy that they might be interested is Everson Griffin of the Dallas Cowboys. Now the question is, are the Cowboys going to be in the seller mode, knowing that they, if they do well, they might be able to win the division with only five or six wins? You know, Do they give up on the season, or what do they do? That is going to be very much in question. And so in the end, I think uh, you just have to stay tuned because it's a wild, wild scene as far as uh, you know where, where this is as far 
far as the trade deadline. Again, you figure teams like Houston, New York Jets, they're going to be dealing. We don't know about the teams in the NFC East because they're so bad. And do they want to get into the trading mode? That's a big question. Still don't know the answer to that. Uh, uh, Last week, there was three trades. There may not be as many as normal, uh, mainly because what you're seeing is that uh, you know you got so many teams right now that uh, want to try to have to go through that six-day period, and so what you're doing is you're getting somebody for two weeks ahead, not necessarily one week ahead, and you know for the one-week game. So uh, again, you know you know that uh, John Ross uh, is on the market, uh, or at least presumably because he wants out. Carlos Dunlap in Cincinnati, his teammate, he wants out. Uh, Dante Pettis a wide receiver he's being shot because you know he's done so poorly down there so again will Dallas be a seller at the deadline I know Jerry Jones was on today with his one of his two radio hits and he got kind of feisty when they asked him about the leadership issues on that team and he kind of jumped the uh, uh, announcers that were doing it and doing the interview and then had to come back and apologize uh, you know kind of almost told him to shut up so that was pretty bad so Dallas in a bad state Seattle trying to see if there's any way to improve that pass rush number three Trips right bunch, shotgun snap to Goff, back to throw, it's left, it's complete. Gerald Everett shakes a tackle, middle of the field, he goes in! Touchdown Gerald Everett, touchdown LA! With 1.34 to go in the third, the Rams have blown it open! Yeah, so the Rams get a 24-10 to victory that puts them at 5-2, and and so they're sailing pretty well. And so now what you have is all four teams have winning records in the NFC West, and they're 19-8 and to start the season. I don't think all four teams can make it, but maybe they can. You know, the one that can hold things back could be the New Orleans Saints or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whoever finishes second. But you know, you know it's going to be a 5-6 win division for the NFC East, so they don't play into to the wild card. Then you look in the NFC South. South, you know, two teams very well can come out of there. Then, of course, the NFC North, uh, you know, could it be Chicago? Well, Chicago, that's suffering that loss to the Rams and what might be others. They're five and two, so they can be a consideration. So at least, you know, two teams are coming out of this division and maybe three over in the AFC. I think there's a decent chance that you could see three teams, including Cleveland, make it into playoffs. And so uh, pretty good division right now. L.A., of course, goes to Miami, and I guess they have the fortune of taking on Tua in his first start and so that could be their sixth win and really put them in good state so that's why Seattle that was a tough loss to Arizona because now you're only one and a half games ahead of the teams that are chasing you and they can come back pretty quick or a half game ahead so stay tuned on that front right now but the Rams getting a big win Rams did sack Nick Foles four times intercepted him twice Foles and that Bears offense looks absolutely terrible Number four. You just prepare again. You know, like I said, it's all about that night. You know, you're just trying to go out and win a game. That's all. That's all it is. Nothing more. Nothing less. So we can't allow ourselves to go down the road of wow. We win. We win the World Series. We're not doing that. Nope. You can't. You can't. As soon as you start doing that, things get away, and then you know it never might. It might never happen. So it's all about coming, showing up, being prepared, and trying to win that night. So Corey Seager talking here as we go into Game 6 of the World Series tonight. Uh, Tampa Bay will be trying to force a Game 7. They're going to have Cy Young winner Blake Snell on the mound. The Dodgers will go pretty much with a bullpen tonight. They'll start with uh, Tony Gonsolin, uh, who lost in Game 2. So there's a big advantage for Tampa to take this thing to 7. If the Dodgers win, it'll be the first World Series title since 1988. Can you believe that? First pitch is going to be at 510, and you'll be able to hear it on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
Number five. What's frust- most frustrating is I put so much on my plate that, you know, yesterday I just kind of felt like I was pressing too much, you know, understanding what the situation was, and it kind of showed. And, you know, that's not me. But, yeah, through it all, being a leader on this team, you just got to find ways to get our guys going and still believe in the fact that we are who we are. And, you know, that's a positive in itself. You know, so, you know, even throughout the whole game, halftime, the in-game adjustments and, and, and whatever, everybody w- was calm. You know, we was just needing, you know, more of a, you know, play to be made just to gain some type of momentum. But that didn't happen. Yeah, it's not happening right now for Cam Newton. He threw three interceptions in the game against the 49ers on Sunday. They lose by 27 points. He's got seven interceptions and only two touchdowns, and he's had three pretty much bad games. And so now they did bench him. You know, they went to Jared Stidham, but yesterday Bill Belichick said still what he's looking at is that his best starter at the quarterback position is Cam Newton, but you think there's going to be a quick hook. And now at 2-4, and four, is it possible? that a Patriot team that has not had uh, three straight losses since 2002 could be sellers in the trade market. Albert Breer reported <coughs> that the Patriots could move on from Stephon Gilmore, their best defensive player, if the price is right. And if that's going to be the case, there could be other guys moving on that team too. So you can look and see that uh, going into their big game this week against Buffalo, the, it's almost like win or bust. If you win, then you might have the chance to stay in this thing. If not at 2-5, and five, you are in deep trouble and uh, probably are not going to make the playoffs because you know what you're looking at is probably going to be 9 or 10 wins to get in. And if you've got 5, that only gives you 2 to lose in the second half of the season or 3 to lose, and that's not going to be good. So a uh, big game coming up. But, of course, Cam Newton has not looked good. I mean, he did have the positive test for the virus and uh, missed the game because of that. And, of course, it was horrible as far as what filled in for him and now here he is on a two-game losing streak and uh, could extend to three if they lose to Buffalo so bad times right now for the New England Patriots hey you can listen to the show on the 710 sports app it's powered by the Dubin Law Group coming up next we're going to go under further review and talk about what can they do on defense to improve if they can't make a trade or get some outside help John Clayton show 710 ESPN Seattle under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, certainly the the view of uh, the results of the game on Sunday were pretty bad because you know after you know getting off to a good start, the defense just could not do anything. Uh, eventually, they started having trouble against the run after doing a good job of starting and stopping the running plays in the first half. And so now it's a matter of trying to bounce back. And of course, uh, just uh, getting some information right now on the salary cap. This is going to make it even tougher for the Seahawks to be able to do something. And, of course, you know, everybody thought, oh, yeah, why don't they trade for Unique and Dockway? Well, they didn't have a first and a third round pick. And now we find out, according to the official uh, cap sheets, that uh, they're down to about $1.3 million of cap, $1.3 million. And so that's going to even make it even tougher to be able to squeeze them. Like, for example, if you're trying to squeeze in an Everson Griffin contract, I mean, you can you can do it. Now, remember, you can always restructure a contract. You can always uh, trade somebody. Uh, like a Jacob Hollister, you know, who has about a million and a half right now, a little over a million and a half remaining in his uh, salary because he had 3.2 million. So you can always find ways to do things. And John Snyder, Matt Thomas, they've always found ways to be able to do things and do well with the cap. But it just makes it that much tougher to be able to pick it up. Like Everson Griffin, 
is on a one-year, $6 million deal. And so you're getting it right here at the midpoint of the season. If you trade for him, you know, it could be only $3 million. But again, $3 million you have to create some room to be able to do. So as we go into further review, you know, the talk is – what can the defense do if it doesn't get any outside help? That was a big topic yesterday on Tom, Jake, and Stacy. Can the defense improve without adding outside help like J.J. Watt or Carlos Dunlap? <laughs> can we do it? Question of yes, the day. they can. Yeah. Yes, they can, but I don't believe so. I don't think they can, they can improve enough without adding help outside. I, I just believe that this is the style in which this group is going to play. This is the way that they're going to operate. Jamal Adams can obviously make a difference. I think Snacks Harrison can make a difference. But when you have 50 attempts and you have only one pressure, one pressure, zero quarterback hits, zero sacks, that is, is addressing a big problem. Another thing that they didn't do, which I'm very puzzled about, is they only allowed Alton Robinson to have seven snaps. Weird. I don't understand that. Yeah. Alton Robinson is a good player. I, like, Don't let this be a Marquise Blair situation all over again. Play your best guys. Play your guys that have the most opportunity to make plays. Even if Alton Robinson is a liability at some points, you got to give him more than seven snaps. Um and would so he have won at least one or two matchups if they left him in there? I mean, just, yes, again, by yes, what Collinsworth was saying, just a chance of it. He, yes, he's shown that he will. He could do that as well. So that's why it's a little puzzling, and I hope it's not another Marquise Blair situation uh, like last year, just not playing a guy that we constantly see you know, uh, standing out from time to time. So uh, I, I think that they do have to add in order for this defense to get to the level that they are hoping it does. Yeah, but of course, I mean, the one reason that they did come back and uh, only had him on the field uh, for seven plays is that they're using Shaquem Griffin more kind of in a stand-up linebacker role, almost like a, a 3-4, to try to chase down the running plays and see if they could put the pressure on. And of course, the pressure wasn't there, but they had certainly a lot of running plays to be able to chase down. And so that's now the, the strategy that has to be there. And of course, uh, you know, again, that's why week to week, sometimes the schemes are going to look different because of the teams that you're going against. I mean, you have to try try to play to the teams that are there and try to do it. But they've got to do something, and I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, the one fear that I guess I have, if they are gonna, if they don't have Jamal Adams and they go to a blitzing package, how much is it going to be like last year where everything's going to be in front of them and all those mid-crossing uh, patterns and inside routes are going to be not covered, even though they do have good cover guys. What they don't have right now is a pass rush. And so how do you generate that pass rush? Because, you know, the team right now, Benson Mayoa is good. He's not as good as Jadevian Clowney, but, you know, neither guy right now are getting sacks. I mean, this team only has nine sacks here six weeks into the season, and that's kind of scary. But in the end, I think what you have to kind of look at is that, you know, how do you try to bounce back for this? And they've got to do something. And these are critical games because these are division games that are there in four out of the five, including the game on Sunday. And so, Curtis, I don't know. I mean, you know, I had been optimistic that they can survive this, and they certainly can survive survive it to make the playoffs but right now they could jeopardize that number one seed and maybe jeopardize a division if they start to lose like they did in the Arizona game yeah I mean it's only a half game separating Arizona and Seattle right now for the NFC West lead you've got San Francisco they've won two straight the Rams won yesterday every team has a winning record in the NFC West there's no time to take your foot off the gas pedal and if you're the Seahawks 
you know, these are the teams that are going you're going to be playing the most the rest of the way. So far you're 0 and 1 in the division. Uh you don't want to be 0 and 2, you don't want to be 0 and 3 cuz then all of a sudden you're losing out on tiebreakers. Then, you know, if you're tied with the Cardinals, they've got the tiebreak ahead of you. So it makes it, you know, maybe a uh, even if you're tied with the Cardinals, they essentially have a one-game lead on you. Uh, if you're the Seahawks right now, John, I don't know how you can be thrilled with what they have given uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball. And, yeah, they haven't had Jamal Adams for much of the season. Uh, they will likely get Snacks Harrison back here in, in the next week. I would imagine he plays against the 49ers. Um but I don't know if those two guys are going to be enough to keep Seattle's defense afloat. It, it, to me, I think they need to absolutely go out and get somebody if they want to make something happen on the defensive side of the ball. But like you said, John, there's very little cap space for the Seahawks to maneuver around with. They don't have many draft picks right now. So your trade chips right now, you get there's nothing to trade from, so how do you go out and do it? you got to get really creative John, when you look at the Seahawks roster, do you think there are any players on the roster, just for salary cap purposes, could get moved in a trade to acquire somebody? Yeah, I mean, I think that the AJ Finney, if you got a team looking for a guard, you know, because it hasn't worked out to a point where he's only he's only able to get on the field for some special teams plays, so that could be one. Uh, you know, you still have uh, Jacob Hollister. Uh, you know, again, you like him, and he's he's good, but also he's got three point two million dollars in a base salary. And let's say that uh, you got a team needing a tight end. Let's say, for example, you know th- this team does have a good trading relationship with Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick right now hasn't been able to equal the numbers a tight end that Jacob Hollister provided last year to Seattle. So that could be one. And you know, you just uh, you know that those are two players right now that you think that you can move and be able to get something. Yeah, and, and both those guys, if you clear both those salaries off your books, that's what, uh, how much cap space would they save in that situation, John? Mm, they'd probably clear about 4 or $5 million, somewhere in the neighborhood of that. Because, again, he's like, you're almost at, you're six ways through the 17-week uh, season, and so you get a, a little bit more uh, than maybe some of the teams that have played seven by making those moves. But, uh, you know, now what you have to do is try to make them and, you know, get the moves and get them going. Yeah. Also, John, when you look at the the rumor yesterday, Everson Griffin, uh, that's been a name that Seahawks fans have had their eye on for the better part of a year now. Ever since he uh, was, you know, let go by the Vikings in free agency. When you look at what Griffin has done so far with the Cowboys uh, and what you know he could potentially cost the Seahawks. Do you think that would be a, a worthwhile trade for Seattle to make, or is there somebody else out there? No, I, th- I think mind? he's the best option right now. I mean, certainly you can talk about bringing Clay Matthews in, but he hasn't had a training camp. At least Griffin, even though he's not starting, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's got the experience. He's been to the Pro Bowl, went to the Pro Bowl last year, and he's got the sack history. So to me, you know, that, that one does work. And so I would I would definitely think that uh, they should consider something with him. And again, trying to fit him into the cap is going to be you know maybe difficult, but it's something that they can try to do. Uh, anybody else you see out there that the Seahawks might have in mind? Carlos Dunlap, he's had some issues with Cincinnati's coaching staff, but like you've said a lot, the, Too much the money. yeah, and the Bengals don't like to make in season trades no. too. Uh, and you know, like the t- the two that people bring up a lot, I think, are going to be impossible to fit into the cap, and that's Ryan Kerrigan and uh, Carlos Dunlap. They're both making over ten million dollars a year. 
that's going to be too tough. I mean, hey, it's going to, it would be tough enough just to squeeze in the Everson Griffin deal at $3 million, uh, a little bit over $3 million. But again, I think that uh, you know the option of trying to take a guy or two guys that have over $10 million in base salary, you just can't do. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Want, needing players to improve your team, but yep. not having the draft capital or the salary cap, for that matter, uh, to go out and make their moves. It, John, it kind of reminds me of uh, the off se- or the season before they traded Frank Clark mm-hmm. where they needed help, and, and they just didn't have anything. They had to deal Frank Clark in order to get some draft capital back and to get some cap space back. Um, you, you just kind of hope that the Seahawks don't find themselves in this spot every couple of years because it's it's not easy to uh, to maneuver your way through the season. No, it definitely is very difficult. Hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker on the app. Coming up next, talk to NFL Network's Jeff Chudia. Talk about what's going on in this crazy league. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And we're waiting for Jeff Chudia from the NFL Network to join us on this you know, wild week now heading into week eight in the National Football League. And, of course, uh, you know, we do we will have Thursday night football this week. You know, last week because of all the COVID changes and all that stuff, Thursday night football was actually played. What was it on Monday or Tuesday or something like that? It gets so confusing to try to remember it. Thursday night, this is going to be a game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. You'll be able to hear it or and see it on Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. And so at this stage, the uh, <clears throat> NFC South has become a two-way race. And joining us right now is Jeff Didier from the NFL Network. And Jeff, uh, I guess the big picture right now, how the heck do you explain this season? Uh, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy season. Um, you know, it, uh, if you'd asked me a year ago what um, – this would be dealing with all this stuff with empty stadiums, people wearing masks, protocols. Um, I don't laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I guess the upside is that, you know, I think um, so far, gotten through almost half of it. Um, you know, it's had a couple serious outbreaks in Tennessee and the Patriots, but, you know, the NFL is doing their best. So I think it's about, about the best I can say about it. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a rough year, man. It really has, but I think they've done a good job. I think that's the one thing that has been uh, pretty well noted is that, uh, you know, say what yeah. you want. Uh, you know, they've not lost any games. They've so far gone through seven weeks, yeah. and, you know, you can see that they're going to really stiffen penalties and all that stuff if, uh, you know, they're going to have all these other things happening, like with the Raiders, and, you know, they have to figure out the New York Giants because, I guess, after the Thursday night game, a bunch of the guys got together in a restaurant kind of partied and didn't have masks on and everything else. But, I mean, it, it's so strange and that each week there's new things that we've never heard of that end up happening. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, when this whole thing started, we started talking about all the sports leagues playing again. And I tried to tell people on different interviews that, look, you know, I think guys are going to make mistakes just because they're young. They make mistakes because they're human. They make mistakes because they want to go out and they want to enjoy life like a lot of other people do. Um, and, and so I, I think, what this whole thing is telling me is that we're just learning how to how to how to deal with a very serious situation. I mean, you just mentioned a whole bunch of different things that are all different variables involved. That you know, we don't know, you know, what went into someone's thinking when they were in a club or when they went home to their wife or when they were out with their kids. But again, the the, the biggest takeaway is that yeah, I mean, so far 
the league is still moving forward. And, and to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of hope in what's happened with the NBA and the NHL. Certainly they were able to play in bubbles and you had other factors involved there. But I, I think that if, if we're able to get through it with as few casualties as possible, casualties meaning lost games or, you know, guys testing positive and big outbreaks, then yeah, I think you have to consider it a success. Yeah, no doubt, and that's the uh, that's going to be the challenge. How do you explain what's going on right now with the New England Patriots? I guess in some ways we thought something like this might happen, but it now really has happened. A two and four well, I start. The first thing we have to, to say is that uh, Tom Brady um, obviously had an amazing year last year, given that he was playing with the, the same kind of talent around him. He was able to produce 12 wins and a 4,000-yard passing season, but I think, look, there's two things going on there. One is that COVID has had a huge impact on them. I mean, you, you know as well as I do that that team is built around being able to, you know, prepare each week, different game plans, ask a lot of players mentally, and when you're losing practice time, you're losing key players um, each week, uh, it's going to affect the product. Uh, and secondly, Cam Newton has is, is certainly had a great start for his time there, but I think defenses have adjusted and, devised ways of slowing him down, and he's really struggling. And so I think he was always the key to what they were going to be able to do, because if he was playing at a high level, they could, they could be a playoff team. But if he wasn't, they were going to be a team probably in the top top ten in the draft next next year. So I think they got to figure out which, which guy he is, because he's shown us both so far. What, what, uh, what teams have surprised you so far? Well, you know, you know Tennessee surprised me. Um, I kind of thought that they were more of a flash-in-the-pan type team last year. They got hot in the playoffs, but they've shown um, that they've got a lot of grit to them and a lot of wherewithal. Um, I think I've been I've been surprised by the way Seattle's played um, offensively. Uh, you know, it really uh, turned into something like Andy Reid's coaching that team, the way they throw the football around now, but it's just really been fun to watch there. Um, you know, Chicago, um, given what they've had at quarterback, how bad it's been at times, that, that they're still after last night a five and two team. Um, and then on the flip side of it, Dallas has been a disaster. I mean, I, I, you know, you're not they lost a quarterback, but it was, it was going the wrong direction before that point. Yeah, no doubt. And the Dallas team, I mean, how uh, explosive is that team right now internally? Because it uh, got so bad today yeah. on radio that, uh, you know, Jerry Jones ripped the yeah. announcers and, and, you know, beat them up a little bit. And it's been it's been bad. Yeah, it's on radio show, right? Yeah. Uh, they have a <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, it, you, you would have thought the way last year ended for them that it couldn't have been worse because it was all put on. Jason Garrett of the culture, he blocked that team. And, and, you know, when you lose your quarterback, it's one thing. But, you know, I saw that play. I saw nobody really going over there. But I saw more of a reaction from the Washington defensive backs than from, you know, or anybody anybody was nearby. And I thought, this team really doesn't care about each other. They really are lost. And I don't know what you do. I don't know what Jay Jones can do about that, or Mike McCarthy, or Mike Nolan. I don't don't know if it's, it's a coaching thing. I think it's a cultural thing. Well, I mean, what do you do if you're Jerry Jones? I mean, my my numbers have him at like uh, McCarthy at five years, forty seven point five million dollars. Yeah, well, I think you have to have a real come to Jesus, look in the mirror, come up with yourself, and and ask yourself what 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 has been going on here, not just this year, but for the past few years, because you played a lot of players. 
You know, you have a lot of big name people. You have a lot of mobile people. Um, but it just feels like that's this last year when they were coming into the season when it was all about, you know, Drew trying to get his money and all right, keep to get paid and Zach was trying to get his money and other guys were getting paid. It's like I think we have so many young guys on the team uh, and so much team that you know, has so much talent. Sometimes you forget you have to have leaders. And, and I've never felt like maybe that Dak is that guy. But aside from that, I've never felt like there's a lot of guys down there who really are invested in leading them. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's a big problem. I just don't, I don't feel like it's always been easy to put it on the coaching staff and not on the players themselves. Yeah, it really is. And uh, that's a situation. Have you ever seen a season like this where there's more haves and have-nots? You know, and what I mean by the have not so many one win. Yeah. I mean, really, and yeah. these one win teams, they're out of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was doing a radio interview earlier today, and I did the same thing. It's like the NFL this year is just you're either really good or you're really bad. And there's the middle class. It's just there aren't a lot of teams that you sit there sitting there and you think, oh, if they can make a move here and get something going, they could really be the pick of things. Like Miami is, is that kind of team right now. Maybe the. You know, maybe the Chargers, you could say, you know, they're, they're a two-win or two or three-win team, but there aren't really a whole bunch in that mix. So, yeah, it, it does it does make you worry about the quality of play in the second half. you get got so many teams that are going to be out of it. It does make you wonder what's going to happen at the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, the flip side of that is you've got some divisions like the AFC North and the NFC West that are amazing to watch. Yeah, they really are. They feel bad because not all these teams are going to make the playoffs. No, they, they look really good. What do you see happening at the trade deadline? Because the one thing that's going to be a holdup is the fact that uh, you've got, uh, you know, right right now, that six-day period uh, to get a player and get him yeah. through COVID testing and get him on the field. Yeah, I think there are a lot of challenges to the really active period. Um, I think you've seen already um, some of the big-name guys who would have been to the trade deadline get released and they get the Le'Veon Bells, the Leonard Burnett's, people like that, uh, and Gakwe, uh, they did a deal for him in Baltimore. So you're seeing these guys who would have been on the move already being snapped up. And I, I agree with you. I think with the protocols, I think with the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, added, uh, the, the extra, the extra players on practice roster, there's just a lot more guys who are already in play that could be, you know, picked, picked, uh, you know, picked up or utilized. Uh, to help a team out. So, and, and, and just, like you just said, there aren't that many teams that are one player away anymore. Yeah. But some teams that need to make a deal to make something happen. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, so what all you got going on the NFL Network and what are all you writing and everything else? Uh, well, right now, I'm, you know, we're kind of sidelined. Uh, not much travel playing out. Yeah, welcome to the club. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's used a lot, which is not a bad thing because of the defending football champion. But I'm also working on a, on a, on a story that's uh, going to be coming out probably in a few weeks about just how mental toughness may be the most important thing that determines what you how you choose a quarterback to play the game. That the measurables don't mean as much as whether a guy's got some kind of adversity and shown himself to have some kind of you know you know wherewithal to him. You look at the Tom Brady, the Aaron Rodgers, you know the Lamar Jackson, the uh, people like that, Josh Allen. You know, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, it's it's kind of the common denominator of some of the better quarterbacks of the game today. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, Jeff Tudia from the NFL Network. Don't forget to go to Thursday. It's going to be Carolina and Atlanta. You'll be able to see it on the NFL Network. You'll see it on Fox, and you'll see it also on NFL on Amazon Prime. Hey, Jeff, 
take care, and I hope somewhere down the line we get to travel and see each other. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Be nice, man. Another part of the shoe that's been crazy. I haven't seen you as much as I used to. No, and, and, the weird, and the weird part is, you know, I'm still doing sidelines on the radio broadcast. I'm doing the visiting team sidelines, but I'm doing it from yeah. the house. Yeah. With no sidelines, yeah. With, with no sidelines, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what I can do is I can go outside, uh, you know, during one of the timeouts and get that feel for being outside. But, yeah, I'm doing the sidelines, uh, visiting team sidelines on the Seahawks broadcast. And, you know, Obviously, there's no Westwood One. There's no NFL Network sideline stuff. There's, I mean, it's all shut down. Yep. No. Yeah. No. I got a, got a studio in my house. I'm, I, I can work at Best Buy if my journalism career doesn't work out. Cause I got all these ring lights and yeah. you know uh, microphone lobs and all this stuff I got to use to go on TV nowadays. I know that's all the strange. Hey, Jeff Judea, thank you so much. Hope to see you. All right. Man. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You can uh, check out the professor's notes at 710sports.com. Professor notes are brought to you by uh, Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. And, of course, coming up next, we're going to go behind the lines, catch you up on what's going on in the National Football League. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, probably the most stunning thing we've heard is that, uh, you know, Albert Breer reporting that uh, Stephon Gilmore might be available in a trade. Is it possible the New England Patriots could be sellers? I'm just stunned to think that out. I know that they're two and four. Things haven't worked out, certainly. But could that be possible? I mean, I, I would would you be amazed at that? At uh, Here it is in the year that Tom Brady parted with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick didn't seem to care if uh, uh, Brady was on the team this year or not, that this team could be a team drafting in the top 10? On one hand, John, I would be stunned to see it because of how good Stephon Gilmore is. I mean, heck, yeah. he was the defensive player of the year uh, last year. We're not even a full year removed from that. But Bill Belichick has never been afraid to deal star players. He's never been afraid to deal players uh, that so many other teams would consider untouchable. We've seen it with Richard Seymour and Jamie Collins and Randy Moss. Uh, you know, it's been one guy after another throughout the t- course of his tenure in New England. I think Gilmore would definitely fit that bill. And uh, it, it just seems to me like even though they do deal away these kinds of players, they more than are able to to stock the shelves again because of what they get back from them. I, I think if you deal Stephon Gilmore, you're looking at at least a first-round pick in return, if not maybe a, a package similar to what the Jets got for Jamal Adams. I, I think you know Stephon Gilmore is one of the truly elite cornerbacks in the game, and that is a price that so many teams, so many contending teams would love to pay. Yeah, no doubt, and it's like, but uh, yeah, but it's just amazing. And then, how bad has Cam Newton been the last three weeks, Oof. the last three games? I mean, you know, you saw how good he was in the Seattle game, but you know, I, and again, this is where Bill Belichick, I think, has to be blamed. I mean, he didn't put a lot, a lot around Tom Brady last year, and now he's put even less around Cam Newton this year. Yeah, and the Patriots are really starting to. Uh really starting to see that, you know what, maybe Tom Brady was the straw that stirred the drink around here. It wasn't just Bill Belichick, because Brady's having a pretty good season with the Bucks, and uh, he's going to get even more weapons to use when Antonio Brown is is available, John. Uh, and I would imagine Brown gets a little more uh, look this week because of Chris Godwin's injury. Um, you know, I think Brady is more than, uh, he's having more than a fun time in Tampa Bay as, as New England sort of 
learning the hard way that life without him is, is not so good. Uh, Giles, by, by the way, Brown can't play this week. I mean, he's, oh, on, the, yeah, yeah. he's on the eight-game suspension. That's right, when he does return. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, but, and, uh, you know, I guess you figure it's like, here it is. He's got the best, one of the best wide receiver duos in football, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, but they really haven't been together as much. Because of injuries. No. Uh, also, John, on the uh, you know on the docket, we're a week away from the trade deadline. A couple of names out there, uh, sort of being floated. We heard Quinn and Williams's name a couple weeks ago, uh, but it looks like that is not going to be a possibility. He's only what in his second season. Yeah, he was a top. Pick, yeah. yeah, he was a top five pick a year ago of the Jets. Uh, it looks like he's going to return. Are there any surprise names out there? that you think could get moved by the deadline names that people may not be uh, talking about right now? Well, I mean, you could, I think it's going to be a lot at the wide receiver position, you know, because you've got uh, Dante Pettis in San Francisco. They're about done with him, so I think they'll give him away. Uh, I think, you know, even though the Bengals aren't big on making trades, I do think they'll do something with John Ross because that's been that's been a disaster. I mean, he hasn't done well, and so they can pick up some... I, I don't necessarily know what they'll do with Quentin Dun, or, or Carlos Dunlap because, again, he wants out and he wants out bad but would they accommodate him because one thing is uh you know mike brown and the brown family i mean they're old school and they feel hey if you go ask for trades and we trade you then it's like we're going to have a lot of people walking up and want to getting out of here and so we're not going to accommodate any of your trade requests and C certainly has been as vocal as jalen ramsey and several of the jacksonville players and you wonder what about jacksonville i mean you know i think they could be sellers but are there anything on defense that you'd be buyers on Miles Jack, obviously, we'd be one of the best that they have. Yeah, but other than that, they don't really have anybody because no. they've seen just every player from that 2017 defense, that so good uh, group there, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Jalen Ramsey, anybody of note from that group, they've long since departed Jacksonville, and there really isn't anybody left to to have any interest in. Uh, John, also uh, an interesting move that could be made here. Uh, Landon Collins got that season-ending Achilles injury. Washington trying to figure out who they're going to sign to replace, but it looks like Ron Rivera could be dipping back into you know somebody that he, he has a lot of familiarity with, and that would be Eric Reed, the former 49ers safety, former Panthers safety who was released uh, back in March. What do you know about Eric Reed, uh, a potential return to Washington? Mm. I guess it could be a possibility because again he knows the system and Ron wants guys that knows the system that could be uh, that could be there but then you know we wonder about uh, is Dan Snyder going to be you know upset about uh, some of his protests and things like that on Black Lives Matter I think at this stage it's just a matter of survival because say what you want it's like as bad as it is you got a what a two and five Redskin team that looks terrible uh, you know but you know they're still in the race. I mean, you know, again, it's like everybody's still in the race. I mean, Philadelphia, they've been out of the race, look like, for the last couple of weeks, and they win a couple of games, and they're 2-4-1, and one, and they lead the division because Dallas is so bad. Yeah, that NFC East is just a, an absolute joke right now. Speaking of Dallas, former Cowboys receiver Des Bryant officially signing to Baltimore's practice squad. He hasn't set foot on an NFL field since 2017. He's now 32 years old. What do you expect from Bryant as he makes his return to the NFL uh, with a Baltimore team that has some serious title 
uh, hopes and dreams. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that could help because the one thing is he's big. I don't think he has much separation anymore because of his metatarsal injuries that he had. But I think that, you know, he can certainly help them out and then maybe, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, do some good things for that uh, for that team. So I, I think that there's, there's some hope there that he can get on there because, again, one thing is if you're going to be uh, a Baltimore Raven wide receiver, you better know how to block. Although I'll tell you what, it's like what you wonder. I know I had to send my AP votes in today, uh, and I had to put you know, Pittsburgh number one, Kansas City number two, number three would be uh, – the Seahawks, and then I had, I think, number five would be Baltimore. But how about how Baltimore's offense has been kind of figured out? I mean, they're not running the ball as successfully. You've got uh, Lamar Jackson now, so many less carries, and you've got uh, him with like 59.6% completions. I mean, this is so different. Yeah, it's a far cry from where they were a year ago. They're still very competitive. They're still, I would put them in the top maybe three or four teams in the AFC, but I I don't know if they're as good as they were a year ago. Heck, I don't even know if they're the best team in their division anymore because it looks like Pittsburgh uh, could potentially be taking that crown away from them. No doubt, and so yeah, and not, not I guess no surprise, but man, that's that is absolutely stunning to see the change that's happened there. It is, it is. Uh, and then finally, John, uh, question here from the two hundred six about the Patriots. They want to know how big of an impact did that group of players who chose to sit out the season? How big of an impact has that had on their twenty twenty year? Uh, as far as what team? The Patriots, when the they Patriots? had a group of like six players. Oh, huge. I mean, how can, and you know, that's the thing. I, I mean, everybody kind of fumbled until they played the Seattle game to think, okay, how is this Patriot team going to be? But when you take away four of your top five linebackers, two of your top three safeties, you know, uh, Danny Shelton on the defensive line, you have injuries that taken some guys off the offensive line. I mean, you have nothing at the receiver position except for Julian Edelman, and he looks much, much slower this year than all that. So to me, it's like, wow. That has gone really fast, and it's not very good. And so, uh, I f- and again, you saw it. I mean, they got three of the best coverage cornerbacks in football. They're really in good shape there. But what you're also looking at is that uh, they're not very good as far as in the front seven. And you can see that's where teams are beating them right now. That's what Seattle was able to do, you know, have success with that. So you look at all those numbers and you say, wow, it's going to be different. Hey, speaking of numbers, we're going to go four downs and talk to Sean Salisbury next. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.